Good morning. I'm going to give everybody just a couple minutes to begin joining. Good morning. Appreciate those that are joining with us this morning. Excited to worship the Lord with you today and uh, just looking forward to a good day in the Lord. We'll give everybody just another minute or two to join and then we'll get started. All right, so thankful for those that's able to join us online again this Sunday morning. We're excited to worship the Lord with you this morning, and uh, I, I'm uh, looking forward to the day we get to do it back together in person again. I hope and pray you've had a good week this uh, this week, and that uh, you've come ready to worship this morning, um, and hopefully you come ready to hear God's word. I've been up um, since early this morning studying, um, uh, searching the scriptures for what it is that God would have me to bring to you this morning. I believe that um, I believe I've zeroed in on where it is the Lord would have us to go this morning. But let's start like we always try to do this morning by reading a verse of scripture together. Um, and uh, it's in uh, this morning's scriptures in Joshua chapter 24, um, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in those lands whom you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Uh, I had that scripture in mind this morning and thought I'd share it with you this morning. Just just grateful today that uh, um, that as for me and my house, uh, praise the Lord, we're, we're we're choosing to serve him this morning, and I hope that's the same for you and your house this morning. Before we get started, uh, we want to have a word of prayer together. Um, again, I tried this week um, to get it to where I could bring other people on to sing, and again, at the last minute, um, it, it, it wouldn't allow me to. I think there's so much traffic at this time during the day that it's um, it's uh, it kind of clogs everything up and slows everything down. So. Hopefully soon, maybe by next week, I'll have a solution in place. I'll continue to try. Um, I'm tired of hearing me sing. I'm sure some of you are tired of hearing me sing too, but bear with us one more week. I know I told you that last week. We'll try one more week this way, and then next week, even if uh, even if we have to uh, have a, a couple folks gather at the church to sing and stay apart from one another, we'll, we'll do that. That's what we have to do. But, um, but just... Bear with us again today. Let's worship together. Let's don't let the devil hinder us. Let's don't be hindered by anything. Uh, let's just uh, enjoy a time together this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your blessings, for your love, your mercy, your grace, uh, for all that you do for us, God. It's so appreciated, Lord. We're uh, overwhelmed at your goodness this morning, God. We're overwhelmed at who you are, Lord. We're compelled, God, to preach your word, God. We feel an unction to do that, Father. We want to preach this message that you've given us, God. So we pray, Lord, that uh, if it be your will, you let the technology hold up and allow us to do that. Father, we pray for our other brothers today who are preaching the gospel, Lord. We pray, God, for their churches. We pray, God, that you're strengthening churches right now, Lord, and strengthening Christians, Lord, and that uh, they're anxious to get back together again, Lord, that they're excited uh, for the coming days ahead. And, God, I pray for the church, Lord, that you would continue to use her, uh, for your glory, God. I pray, God, for all those who are sick and afflicted and suffering and going through difficult times and seasons, God, in their life, Lord, that you bless them and be with them. Father, I thank you, Lord, for all the blessings you've poured out on us, God, and you've certainly been good to me and my family. I thank you for protecting us, Lord. I thank you for keeping us healthy during this time, Lord. I pray for those who maybe have not been as fortunate, God, as we have, Lord, to be able to say that we're healthy, but God, we know, Lord, that you're sovereign over everything, Lord, that your will will be accomplished, God, and we're grateful, God, for all that you do. God, we, we ask you today, Lord, to be pleased uh, with us, with this service, God, to cleanse our hearts, Lord, and to help us to be able to worship you in spirit and truth this morning. God, again, we pray for all of the churches that are gathering together today that you bless them, Lord, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, 
We'll try to sing a couple. I was uh, afraid that this would happen, and so I picked out some. Now these are old ones, um, so you, you you bear with me this morning. We'll try to get through them. Some of them I've never sung before. Um, um, this is one that I've never sung before. It's actually one of Dad's old songs that he used to sing. Um, but these were on my mind, and so I want to be obedient to the Lord and to do my best to sing the songs that maybe would please God. I walk by the tomb of Buddha. I looked inside and saw his bones. I traveled on to see Muhammad still wrapped up in his grave clothes. And then I journeyed to the garden where old Joseph left him lay the precious land God's own begotten It was no longer in the grave And if you knew him Like I know him You would know that He's alive if you felt him like I feel him, resurrection deep inside, you know he's living and death has died. If you want. In the darkness, come and stare into the light. Nail scarred hands, reach out to help you to pull you safe from death to life. Friends, I too have stood where you stand. Could I trust in the things unseen? Just one step in his direction, and in love. Ran to me. If you knew him like I know him, you would know that he's alive. If you felt him like I feel him. Resurrection deep inside. You know he's living, and death has died. You know he's living, and death has died. We'll try a couple more. Pray for me if you will this morning. (laughs) 
in prisoner's chain with bleeding stripes all inside is that night and in their pain began to sing their chains were loose and they were free I bless your name I bless your name I give you love I give you praise you are the love the truth, the way, I bless your name, I bless your name. Some midnight hour, if you should find, you're in a prison. And in your mind, reach out and pray, defy those chains, and they will fall in Jesus' name. We bless your name, we bless your name. Give you all, give you praise. You are the light, the truth, the way. We bless your name. We bless your name. We give you all. Holy 
than to be the king of a land, or be held in sin, dress I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Appreciate you listening to the to me sing again. I'm sorry that you had to, um, but uh, by the grace of God, this too shall pass. Amen. And so, if you've got your Bibles, let's get right into the Word this morning. That's what um, I'm more excited about than than anything is to be able to get into the Word with you and to open God's Word and and to try to preach and teach some truth here to you today that I hope and pray will uh, make an impact on your life. Maybe even uh, um, make an impact on, on your future. Um, I would love to be able to to um, get this across to you to the way, today the way that the Lord put it in my heart. I hope I can. But if you've got Bibles, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. So we're going to read that entire chapter. You know this chapter. Um, if you've been a Christian long, you've heard it preached or taught before. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 18 verses. Uh, we're going to read it together this morning. Let's just jump right in. It says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is hid, it is hid to those who are lost, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but, um, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus, who also may be made manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for your word, God. Now grant us wisdom to understand it. Give us a zeal to preach it, God. Give those that are listening ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Since we have this ministry, it's the way that Paul starts off in verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, and in verse 7, he says, we have this treasure. So here is this ministry and this treasure in an earthen vessel. What ministry is Paul talking about? What treasure is Paul speaking about? And, and we talk a lot about true Christianity. And the reason for that is because I believe it's the most needed message, not just in our time, but in all time. I believe that there are literally untold numbers of people who claim to be Christian, but they're trusting in a false profession of faith. I believe there are many who sit in churches, but have never been born again by the Spirit of God. They need the true gospel. They need to see true biblical Christianity. They believe a different gospel, but they can they can still hear and receive the true one. I also believe with all my heart that there are countless numbers of people who are lost and perishing in the world who have never even heard the gospel. I believe that there are those who have heard but rejected and chose not to believe the gospel. These are folks without hope. They are without God. They're lost in a dying world. They are blinded in their sins and they are headed for eternal hell. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing, the true gospel is the only thing that can rescue them. We preach that gospel week after week. We preached it last week, right? In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul summarized it, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That is the gospel. Listen, Jesus Christ is the Savior for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. That's what John the Baptist knew when he saw him coming. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the death-conquering, life-giving Lamb of God. And there's nothing more important and nothing more needed and nothing more valuable today than the true gospel of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And that's why Paul said those words in Romans chapter 1 that he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians where we read from, that we have this treasure. And, and for those who have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for those who have been born again by the Spirit of the living God, for all those who are redeemed, for all those whose life is hid in Christ, who've received the free gift of salvation, listen, you have this treasure in you, living in you. Brothers and sisters, this is our calling. This is our mission that we might try to reach as many people as we can with the true gospel in the hopes that some may believe. In so many sermons, I preach how we must die. I say it all the time. We have to die. We have to die. Die to our selfish ways. Die to our dreams. Die to our ambitions. Die to our own hopes and our own uh, plans. Why? Why is it that God wants us to hear that? What is it that God is trying to say to us? Why does that message continue to come out? Because until we die to those things, we won't live for this great thing, this great purpose that God has called us into. Until we die to the things of the world, until we die to selfish ambition and worldly desires, we'll never truly live for the gospel. We'll never truly live for the mission of sharing the gospel. Our purpose is to preach and to share this gospel in all the world. This is the good news. This is the truth that can set people free from their sin. And you know what? I firmly believe that the reason that so many professing Christians 
won't share the gospel is because they've never experienced the power of it themselves. They aren't worried about other sins because they're too busy enjoying their own sins. They haven't yet been delivered. That's that false profession that we preach of so often. That this, this is the very reason why in America today, and really in not just in America, in several parts of the, of the world that have uh, become uh, so cultured and so philosophically uh, 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 and scientifically bound. This is why the this this gospel that they're preaching today is so weak and watered down because it's all about us. The invitation: come to Jesus and He'll make you happy. Aren't you sad? Don't you wish you could be happy? Jesus can make you happy. Come to Jesus. He'll give you a better marriage. Uh, you know you want a better marriage. Everybody wants a better marriage. Just come to Jesus. We've got this buffet of preachers now that you can go on and you can find a preacher or a sermon that says exactly what you want to hear. Come to Jesus. He'll, he'll bless your finances. If you're in financial trouble, you want to hear that message. So you go to Jesus and you you now you can finally pray about that promotion you've been wanting, right? Come to Jesus. He'll make you he'll, he'll make sure you never have to go without anything you, you ever wanted. Uh, after all, he said you can have life and have it more abundantly. And listen, that's exactly the way evangelism is today, right? They they preach to you that your life is so good and that the only thing that's missing in your perfect life is you just need Jesus on top of everything else. Let's just get this one missing piece added and then you'll finally be complete. You can have everything the world offers and you won't have to worry about hell so you get all the world and you get this security, but that's not the true gospel. That's not the gospel of Jesus. That's the gospel of materialism. That Listen, that's the gospel of prosperity. That's the gospel of happiness and comfort. Frankly, it's the gospel of men. It's what we want to hear. It's what we, it's what our itching ears crave to hear, but it's not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus says that we were lost. That that listen, that they are that the world today that's still lost is in darkness that they are wicked and vile and wretched, just like I was. That's why the author of Amazing Grace who penned it down, he said I, I, that he was wretched. You're an enemy of God. You're in bondage to sin and to the world. You're without any hope. So you don't just take, you don't just be in that condition and then add Jesus on top of all that to make yourself feel better. No, what you need to do is forsake all of that and follow Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. Repent and believe uh, in the Savior and let him save you from sin. He's the light that shatters darkness. That's what we once walked in. Those of you that are Christian that are listening, that's what we once walked in. We once were in darkness, but now are in light. The Bible says, what fellowship does the light have with darkness? None. He's the one who takes our sins and he gives us his righteousness. Those whom the sun sets free are free indeed, free from the corruption of this world, free from the bondage of sin, free from the philosophies of this world, free from the penalty of death, free. That's the true gospel of Jesus. And the true gospel of Jesus Christ brings freedom. And it's our responsibility as born-again believers, as true followers of Christ, to share the real gospel with the whole world. In our words, in our, in our character, in the choices we make, in our priorities, in every aspect of our lives, we have the responsibility to share Christ with every person. This ministry, the treasure that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is none other than Christ himself, his gospel, his salvation, the mercy and grace that we find in him. He is the treasure. And true salvation is the ministry. 
So when he says we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have that treasure, Jesus Christ, living in us. And we have this ministry, which is the gospel of salvation that we're called to spread. And so Paul says, knowing that we have this treasure and this ministry, since we have this gospel, since we know this truth, since we've received mercy and grace, we do not lose heart. That term lose heart in the Greek literally means to abandon or to cowardly surrender. So Paul says we don't abandon, we don't cowardly surrender. Paul is saying now that we've known the truth and seen the light, now that we've been partakers of the glory of salvation, we will not abandon that truth. We will not surrender coward-like and go back to the world no matter how hard the road gets. We will not neglect this great salvation. We will, listen, no matter the cost, no matter what happens, we will not forsake this treasure. We will not cowardly surrender ourselves back to the world and its philosophies and belief systems. Once you're truly saved, once you're really born again of the Spirit of God, suddenly your life is filled with new mission, with new hope, and new purpose. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You now possess this treasure, and now you want to share it with the world. You have this light in you, and you want everyone in darkness to find the light that you have found. There is an ache in your soul to see others saved, to see people worshiping God, to see people serving God. Listen, if you're a professing Christian today and you don't have that, don't you wonder why? Don't you want to know why? Have you lost heart? When Paul said, do not lose heart, have you found yourself to be content now just saying to each his own, let everybody do their own thing? Have you, have you become unconcerned about the souls of those around you? Are you content to let people perish in their sins? Have you lost heart? Paul said we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We have this ministry. Let me ask you this question. What is your work for the Lord? How is it that you proclaim the gospel? What, what mission is it that God has filled your heart with? I, I, I was thinking this morning, and, and this thought come to mind, works without faith are dead works. You, you can work all the time, but if you don't have your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, those works are in vain. So works without faith are dead works. But this we know, faith without works is dead faith. And that is of the scripture. What, what, what is your ministry as a Christian? What is your works? What is it that you're doing for the kingdom of God? Think about that for a minute. What, what, what is it that you do for the kingdom of God? What, what's your life more about? Can I tell you the sad truth this morning? Many professing Christians right now can hardly think of anything that they do for the kingdom of God. It's not that they don't work. They work. They're not lazy. They're working, but not for God's kingdom, for their own. And that's not a ministry. It's not for the souls of the lost. It's not for the glorification of God. It's, 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 listen, it is for worldly gain. It's for comfort. It's for happiness. At the end of the day, much of the work is about ourselves. I, I know it's hard to hear, and I know you can listen to something else and, or someone else and feel much better, but all these things I'm preaching to you this morning, I'm preaching in love. Listen, if you have no work for God, would you not agree with the gospel? Would you not agree with the Bible? If you say, well, the Bible is the uh, final authoritative word of God, which it is, 
There is no error. It is perfect, infallible. It is the perfect word of God. Would you be able to agree with that word and say this morning, if you have no works, your faith is dead? It is alone. Would, would, would you turn with me and, and let's just look together in, in Matthew chapter 25. I want to show you a section of scripture, a parable of the Lord from Matthew chapter 25. This is the parable of the talents. You've got to understand while you're turning, let me get you to the symbolism, right? Because we're going to be in Matthew 25 verses 14 is where we're going to start. But listen, you're going to hear, he's going to say there's a man who's traveling to a far country. Well, in this parable, that man is Christ. And then he's going to talk about these servants. And those servants are professing believers. And the talents that he gives, listen, I'm just telling you what the parable is about. The talents that he gives, they are responsibilities. That's what they stand for. They're not gifts that you were of, of, of oh, well, I, I, I sing beautifully, right? God gave me that talent. No, these are responsibilities that he has given. And the expectation of the master is faithfulness to him and to those responsibilities that he has given. In Matthew chapter 25, let's look at verses 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Remember, that's Christ. Who called his own servants, that's professing believers, and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, responsibilities, five responsibilities. To another, two, two colleagues, two responsibilities. And to another, one. And to each according to his own ability. So God, who knows us perfectly, knew exactly what we were capable of doing and what we would be able to do. And he gave us those responsibilities when we were born again. Now listen. He said, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them. In other words, he went to work. And he made five more talents. In other words, he gained five more responsibilities. In a world where everybody's trying to figure out how to get responsibility off of them, this parable says it's a good thing when we do the calling and the work of God and God adds more work to us. But he went out and he, he, he got five more talents. And likewise, the one that received two, he went out and began to work and he got two more responsibilities, two more talents. But he that received one, he went and dug in the ground and he hid his Lord's money. He hid his responsibility. Now listen, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. You better rest assured this morning, born again believers, that God's coming back to settle some accounts. The Bible makes it very clear that even us as believers will stand in judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of our works will be tried. So he who had received five talents came and brought the five other talents and said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents, but look, Lord, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. See, see the condition here? Faithfulness. Well done, good and faithful servant. Look at that term, faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received the two talents came and said, Lord, you gave me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, now pay, pay attention to that. Same reward for both. One had 10, one had four. Same reward for both because we're not in a competition with each other, but we it's all about our faithfulness to God and to our responsibilities to God. Now listen, he said, then he who received the one talent came and said, 
Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to him who has 10 talents. For to every one who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see what happened? Those who were truly faithful to him and to the work he had given them, they were told, well done, good and faithful servant. But to the one who was unfaithful, to the one who didn't live up to the responsibility, they didn't do any work for the kingdom of God. You know why? Because they didn't really believe in him. They didn't really trust in him. These are those false professing believers who have no works to show for their salvation. They have no evidence of any change of heart or life and no zeal for the kingdom of God. They prove themselves to be faithless. They prove themselves not to be his. And you know what he said? Cast out the unprofitable servants. Those who claim to be mine, but have demonstrated that they really aren't mine. Cast them out. You know why? Because faith without works is dead. When we choose not to press forward into the work of God, we are hiding the gospel. Like that man in the parable, he hid that talent, didn't he? He, he dug a hole and hid it down. And in verses 3 and 4, we find that same terminology back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. This is the danger of us not living up to our responsibility as Christians. Every Christian is a missionary. Every Christian is called to proclaim truth with their life, with their words, with their works, with everything about them. And when we hide that, we show not only that we aren't faithful to God, but that we truly haven't come to a place where we love others. Because if we loved others, we surely would not let them perish without trying to share with them the gospel. For those that have been serving in God's kingdom and you've been serving hard, you're going to understand this next part. I'll, I'll, listen, you're going to know it all too well. And for those who are thinking, man, I need to start working for the Lord. You need to hear this and remember it in the days ahead. And you need to set your heart to work for God and remember this as you go along. Spiritual work creates spiritual warfare. Where when you go to do good, evil is always present. Spiritual work always gets the enemy on your attack. He always comes after those who are making up their mind to serve God and to do something good for the Lord. Go back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verses 8 through 12. Paul is going to describe this, right? He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. That doesn't sound easy, does it? Yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. Anytime you make up your mind to work for the Lord, the enemy is going to attack you. I cannot find an example in the scriptures of someone who worked for the Lord who did not have to face spiritual battles. Listen at Paul. Paul describes to Timothy what to expect in his life as he begins to encourage Timothy to be a faithful laborer for God, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul tells him what to expect. He said, you've carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, my perseverance. Now listen, what comes with those things? What comes with uh, good doctrine and, 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 and Christian living and walking in purpose and faith and love and 
patience, right? What comes with those things? Verse 11, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, listen in verse 12, what he tells Timothy. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Listen, if you're a Christian, let me remind you this morning, you have a real enemy who wants to destroy you. You live in a real world that hates you because of who you've come to love. They hated Christ, Christ told them. They hated me, they'll hate you also. You've got a real enemy. You live in a world that really hates you and hates what you believe. There's no escaping spiritual warfare if you're going to serve the Lord. And that's what Paul was describing in those verses in 8 through 12, the sufferings that we face when we decide to work for the Lord. And listen, that persecution that Paul told Timothy about, that can come from strangers, that can come from teachers, from college professors, from bosses at your workplace, from coworkers. It can also come from your family. It can come from people that you love dearly. But that persecution will come. And I, I, I know I have, I have been with you before. Those of you that have been in the battle, spiritual warfare is exhausting. But we're called to be faithful to him. No matter how hard that battle gets, we're called to be faithful. For, for those that are considering stepping up and be thinking, I need to work for God. Right now, maybe God is dealing in your heart and you know right now as you hear the word of God, you think, I need to be working for the Lord. Listen, for those that are considering that and getting ready to step up, or for the Christian that's battle-weary, that's been fighting for the good uh, the good cause, has been out trumpeting the gospel of Christ and trying to lead others to Christ and help make disciples. Listen, don't lose heart when the battle rages. Instead, be courageous. Push forward. Let the battle cause you to fight even harder. Not to turn back like a coward and run to the world where it's easy, but to push ahead and fight the good fight of faith. Is that not what Paul told us to do? To fight the good fight of faith. Listen at Paul's words again. He says, we are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're hard-pressed for sure. This is a difficult thing, but we're not crushed. We're forsaken and we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. He goes on to say in the latter verses that even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Do you see his point? Do you understand his point? He's saying, yes, it's going to be hard, but keep pressing forward because inside of you, God is working something far greater inside of you when those spiritual battles are raging, when you feel perplexed, when you feel crushed, when you feel hard-pressed and forsaken and struck down. Remember that inside of you, God is working a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While, while physically you may be in despair, spiritually you won't be. Spiritually you won't be crushed. Spiritually you won't be destroyed. No, the promise is, is that you'll be strengthened. You'll be renewed day by day. When you pick up the sword to fight this battle, when you pick up the word of God, and you go out into the world and you begin to preach the gospel, the promise from God is even though you'll be persecuted, you'll be strengthened in the inner man. You can depend on the faithfulness of God to sustain you and to hold you up until the appointed day that he so chooses to call you home. Can I tell you something I believe? I believe a, a life is well lived 
when it's lived in service to the Lord. I believe you won't regret not one work that you do for God while you're living here. Listen, I believe we'll have all kinds of regrets about the things we didn't do, but not one time will you regret something you've done for the Lord. I believe every spiritual battle that you face, every single one, that God will be the very thing that strengthens you. And maybe you find yourself saying right now, I just can't seem to get motivated. I just can't seem to find my zeal to serve God. I know I should be working for the Lord. I know what he's given me. I know that I have responsibilities as a Christian, but I just haven't had the desire lately. Listen, it's all about where you're looking. Look in verse 18. What was Paul looking at? He said, I'm looking, listen, not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul had his heart, Paul had his heart set on eternal life. Paul stopped living for the world and he started living for the new heaven and the new earth that was coming. He stopped living for himself and he started living for Christ. And that's what all the great heroes of faith did. They began to look at the unseen. They were pilgrims and strangers and wanderers. And they looked ahead at the promises of God and they lived for those things. Listen, I want to show you this. How does God renew us day by day? Paul had an established confidence in something. Go back and look in verse 14. He says, knowing, knowing, not thinking or hoping, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Paul believed in the resurrection with all of his heart. That's what I've been preaching to you for weeks. If you remember a few weeks back, I preached the, 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 a sermon. I, I asked you the question that Jesus asked, do you believe this? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And then, and then we preached last week of the resurrection of Christ that, that we know that if thou will confess with, the Lord, with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That belief, and Paul believed in this resurrection. He trusted in it. He knew it was a reality for him, that it was coming, that it was going to happen. That was his source of motivation. That was his source of strength. That confidence in the resurrection was what was renewed in him day after day after day. He would wake up, and God's mercy was new again like it is every morning. And there was this renewed confidence that no matter what he faced yesterday, no matter the battles that he fought yesterday, and no matter what battles laid ahead today, no matter what the enemy threw at him, no matter what darts came his way, he knew beyond the shadow of doubt, if today is the day that I leave this world, then I have the confidence of a resurrection that I will be with Christ. That's resurrection power. When Paul says to know him and the power of his resurrection, that's the power of his resurrection. That's what's renewed in a true believer day after day after day is this confidence in Christ and his power that one day will be with him. I wonder this morning, is that confidence in you? Are you looking into your heart this morning and, 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 and are you seeing this this unshakable confidence in the resurrection, enough so that you're motivated and you feel the zeal to go out and to share the gospel and to do the work of God. And listen, I, 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 I'm surprised sometimes at how many people, uh, listen, that, that they are that are sitting in our churches that never feel led to do anything. Don't get mad at me. But I am a pastor. I have to preach those things. They never feel led to work. They never feel led to preach. They never feel led to sing. They never feel led to serve. They never feel led to do anything. 
How could it be, brothers and sisters? We've got responsibilities, not just preachers, not just pastors, not just some special group of Christians. All of us have been given responsibilities. Some different amounts, sure, no doubt, but all have a responsibility to work and to serve the Lord. I wonder this morning if the confidence of the resurrection, if the confidence of the promise of God, I wonder this morning if it's enough to motivate you to go out and do the work God has called you to do. I wonder if you're really certain of the world to come. I wonder if you're really certain of the resurrection. What is your work for the Lord this morning? Professing Christian, what is it you do for God? What work do you have to show? Oh, it doesn't save you no matter what it is. That's not what I'm preaching. What I'm saying to you is I want to know if your faith is a living faith. Faith without works is dead, friend. It's dead. If you truly believe that this day is coming, that the Lord is going to return, and that the saints of God will be resurrected, that's enough to motivate you to lay down your life and to serve God with everything in you. We're living in a world that is perishing. We're Listen, we're living in a world where people are going hungry. We're living in a world, and we have an abundance. We're living in a world where we have all the means necessary to spread the gospel, to do the work of God. We live in, a, we live in the best time of, of history for Christians. We've got Bibles written, we can study, we can pray, we can research, we can dig deep, we can go out, we've got means of transportation and travel, we've got everything needed to do the job. What we need is workers, and I believe that's why the Lord told us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. He said, truly, the fields were ripe for harvest. They were ready. There's plenty of souls out there that would be saved. It's the laborers that are few. Are you a laborer for the Lord? Are you a worker for God? What is your work? What is it that you're doing for the Lord? I just want to ask you those things this morning. I pray that you're working to lead others to Christ. I pray that you're working in your ministry. I pray that you're sharing the love of Christ with other people. I pray that you're sharing the true gospel with other people. If there's people in your family that are that are are, are professing Christians but, but there's no evidence of Christ in their life, don't be afraid. Talk to them about that. Talk to them. In, in, listen, in meekness, in humility, not in anger, not in superiority, but in meekness and humility, go to them and talk to them and say, look, let's reason together through these scriptures. Let me show you what the Bible says are the results of somebody that's truly born again. Maybe you're listening this morning and you're not even a Christian at all. But by the grace of God, somehow you feel compelled to become one. That drawing power of God is pulling you in. Listen, I wonder today, would you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and that on the third day he rose again? Could you believe that in your heart? Listen, will you repent of your sinfulness and trust in Jesus? I pray you would surrender your life to him. There'll be evidence. As the years roll on, there'll be evidence. Your works will be made manifest for others to see. There'll be fruit that's judgeable. I, 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 this, this, this burden was, this message was a burden on my heart. Not a bad, not burden in a bad way. I just mean I feel compelled to preach it this morning. I, and I don't know why, and I don't have anybody in mind or anything like that. But I pray today, if you've listened to it, that maybe you would begin to consider your work for God. There's churches all around our county looking for laborers to help, not to help fill a pew, but to help get this gospel out. We're, the church should be mission-minded. The church should be out trying to figure out ways to get this gospel out to reach the those who have 
falsely believed and to reach those who haven't believed at all and to reach those who have never heard. That's the work. And we're stronger together than we are as individuals. We come together and we unite our responsibilities and our talents in the church that Christ set up and we go out and we work together, laboring together to accomplish the mission and the purpose. I pray that you'll consider those things. If you don't have a church, I pray that you'll consider uh, praying and asking God to send you to a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing, Bible-living church. And I thank you for watching with us today, and I want you to know that my prayer is that God will bless you and your families and that all those who maybe are feeling a little dull, that your zeal will be renewed in the fight for faith. May God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.